This is Living Your Big Bold Life Podcast, and I'm your host, Bet Lucas. I have five crazy kids, a full-time career in a mostly male industry, and I've been on a health journey where I've lost over 40 pounds. On this podcast, you will find encouragement for your own unique journey. You'll be provided tools to help you not just survive this life, but thrive in the areas of health, career, and family. So come live your big, bold life with me. Are you ready? I sure am. Hello, welcome to Living Your Big, Bold Life podcast, episode number nine. I am your host, Bette Lucas. Today, we really have a wonderful show in store for you. Our guest today is Lori Lewis. Lori is going to share about her health journey where she lost over 50 pounds. And what I love about her story is, you know, we all go through stages where what used to work for us just all of a sudden doesn't. Gosh, I sure know that stage well. Anyways, our guest is going to dive into some tools that have worked for her, and she's now 56 and in some of the best health of her life. Also, we are going to dive in a little around the topic of OMAD. What the heck is OMAD? OMAD stands for one meal a day. For many of us who intermittent fast, OMAD has become a great eating lifestyle. It's another tool you can learn about today and and see if it's a good fit for you. Now, to be clear, you guys, everyone's OMAD looks a little different. Just like everyone's eating, fasting, and working out does too. And really, what I hope my show continues to emphasize is that I want you to find what works for you. Because what works for me, what works for Lori might not be what works for you. However, by hearing about her journey, maybe it adds another tool in your tool belt. For some of us who OMAD, that can mean eating in a longer eating window. And so your eating window still contains a snack, a meal, and a dessert. But let's say you start at 3 p.m. with a small appetizer, and then You make dinner, and then you eat dinner with your family, and then maybe you're having dessert that night. So you end your window at 8 p.m. So that would be like a five-hour window. That would still be, in my opinion, considered OMAD. Now, for some, it means just eating primarily in one sitting. So for instance, you sit down to eat dinner at 6 o'clock, Until that point, you have had black coffee, you've had unflavored green tea, you've had hot water, one of my favorites. You've had Pellegrino, Topo Chico, that's another one of my favorites. And after you eat dinner with your family, your window closes. Then some people who OMAD do a combination of both. It just depends on the day. And really, that is what is so empowering about intermittent fasting is that your days can look different. 
You don't need to do the same window every day. You don't need to do the same foods every day. You can adjust this eating lifestyle to your life. That's why it is called a lifestyle and it's so empowering. So today, Lori is going to share a little bit about her style of OMAD. Now, for those of you that have never fasted, OMAD can sound a little crazy. And I get it. Especially, you know, since we've been told for the past, what, 30 plus years to snack all day, keep your metabolism going, and oh, no, 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 don't skip breakfast. That's bad. And so we have been so programmed with that that I think anytime we hear periods of not eating, we get accused of, oh, you're starving yourself. Oh, that's bad. You need to eat breakfast. And hopefully by hearing about some of the journeys that I have shared on this show, and maybe by hearing Lori's today, it challenges kind of what we have been wired to think for the past 30 years. And what I always tell people is that if what you are doing right now is working for you, then great. But what I see happening over and over again is people telling me that what they have been doing and trying hasn't been working. So it's just one of those things that fasting can be a beautiful thing because what used to sound so crazy really isn't that crazy anymore. And especially when you start to see results unfold. I mean, I remember when I used to think I had to eat before working out and I was so paranoid about that. And now after getting used to it and kind of slowly ramping into it and training kind of my body and my mind, I worked out fasted often and sometimes after 24 to 33 hours of fasting. So I realize now that I am pregnant baby number six on board. Most of you know that. Obviously, you guys right now, I am not fasting, but I did and I will again. And it has been a wonderful tool in my tool belt. It's not the only tool in my tool belt, but it is there for me to use for my health journey. So listen up today for some great new tools and Here is a little bit more background on our wonderful guest. For Lori, stubborn hormonal fat hit hard in 2012, causing her to suddenly gain 50 pounds. For years, she tried everything, the old tricks that always worked, to no avail. Nothing really made a difference, and she had almost resigned to the fact that she would keep gaining weight and feeling horrible forever. I think we can all relate. In 2017, a video unexpectedly popped up, which would turn the course of her life. She stayed up all night learning about intermittent fasting and started that very same night. Within days, she recalls that the fog lifted and she felt awake and like herself again. Lori's health, strength, and slender weight have restored 50 pounds plus have been lost. And at 56 years old, she is vibrantly thriving in her intermittent fasting lifestyle. 
I am truly honored to have Lori here today to share with you more about her health journey. Welcome, Lori. I'm so glad you're here. Hi, Bet. Thank you. Thank you for, gosh, I was really moved listening to you share my story like that. I got really present to what it felt like that evening. Three years ago, I hit my three-year anniversary of intermittent fasting last week at June 12th, 2017 of just utter hopelessness. I really, really thought that it was going to get darker and worse. Like it's all downhill from here. Like the cliche is, and I, I am an optimist and I see the sunny side of things and the glass is half full. Yes. So to have turned this corner to, oh my gosh, is it true that I'm just going to get sicker and life is going to get harder forever? And then had this very tearful conversation with my mom in Colorado. I'm in Portland, Oregon, but I grew up in Colorado and I was home visiting. She listened as she does so beautifully. And I sobbed and wailed and because she suggested that maybe I should work a little harder to turn the weight around because I suddenly gained 50 pounds with menopause, which had not been her experience. And she didn't say it critically. She said it thoughtfully. But I, there was nothing else I could do, like nothing. Mm -hmm. And she said, well, let's pray for an answer. (laughs) And so for the answer to come so quickly, just hours later, these words, intermittent fasting that I had never heard before, I knew about long-term therapeutic fasting, because I got my health coach certification at the Institute for Integrative Nutrition years and years ago as a personal interest. And so Uh I knew that long-term water fasting at places like Hippocrates and True North, or, you know, people go to Costa Rica and Puerto Rico to these spas and do long fasting to hopefully cure diseases. And they do. But, you know, that's certainly not my lifestyle. And so I didn't know that you could just be a person who picks some hours each day. And those are the hours that you eat. And the other hours, your body is in repair. And so I stayed up all night, just astonished and hungry for the information. And I shared with my mom the next morning that I was, I think I found a thing that I'm going to try. And you know, in the beginning, we always think it's like a thing, <laughs> just like it's right. a thing I'm going to do, like I'm going to do the whole 30 or I'm going to. And this isn't really a program. This is just a, a discovery of what is most natural for a human body to experience. It's just like it's natural for us to sleep and be in repair. Mm-hmm. And it's natural for us to fast and be in repair. And somehow in our affluence as a society, we have forgotten. We've normalized eating all the time and we've paid the price. So here we are. (laughs) Right. And I think, you know, it's amazing how as a result of that being so normalized, how when we challenge that, that people are like, no, if you stop eating, your your metabolism, it, it's going to stop. You're going to gain all this weight. And mm. But similar to you, 
once I dove in and did the research and started reading about it and then actually tried it, I started realizing that so much of that wasn't true. It was right. not true. I, I was eating breakfast every day and I was doing all of the things and I was stuck. And so I can just so relate to that kind of that moment of, wow, this is really it. And this is how we should be approaching eating and healing our body. So mm. tell us a little bit, let's go back a little bit further. So you had gained kind of 50 pounds. Had you always struggled with your weight or was this kind of a newer thing once you had hit menopause? You know, in reflection, it's so funny to look back at our lives and and the thoughts that we had as a teenager and in our 20s and oh, 30s. Goodness, and, I right? mean, it's like, really? I, so <laughs> I thought that I always had a weight problem because I always felt like I probably had about five or 10 pounds to lose. So that was always on my mind. Like I knew what my ideal weight was for my body. Like I knew when the scale said whatever, that's when I feel good in my clothes. I feel strong. I feel, you know, and not puffy. And so I was always working towards getting to that number always. And then I would gain 20 pounds top and take it off. And you know, it's so funny, Bet, is I, as a teenager, it made me really quite sick, actually, to eat breakfast. I felt nauseous. I felt awful. And so my mom didn't force me to eat breakfast because mm-hmm. I didn't make me not feel good. Right. And so I never ate breakfast as a teenager. And then oftentimes, I wasn't even hungry for lunch. And I was also interested in saving my lunch money. <laughs> <laughs> So I would sometimes like drink a V8 juice, which is like, I remember walking around high school, like with a V8 juice and I wasn't dieting. I just wasn't hungry. Then I would eat a big dinner with my family. And then as I became a working person, you know, after college, well, I gained weight in college and then took it off after college. And it's always when I got the crazy idea in my head that I should be eating breakfast because everyone tells you to eat breakfast. That's always when I gained weight, always, whenever I would go get my morning coffee before work. And if I had a, a, you know, a healthy muffin, like a big old brand muffin, like the size of my head. (laughs) (laughs) And then I remember noticing, so not only did having breakfast put on the weight, but I always felt hungry, like ravenous for lunch when I had breakfast. And I did make that correlation at some point in my life. And I remember saying to people, when I eat breakfast, I'm super hungry for lunch. Well, now I know why. But I thought I was crazy or making that up because people were like, I wish I would have figured that out sooner. (laughs) I wish I would have. You know, my grandpa used to tell my mom, and she didn't share this with me until recently. And his line was, eating makes you hungry. And I I, I, was like, way to go, Grandpa. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, geez, Grandpa, I could have used that a few years back. (laughs) So So how smart and in tune you were to have already like kind of figured that out mm-hmm. in your mind. Well, it took a, a long night of videos to realize that, oh, and then mm-hmm. when I told my mom I was going to do it, at some point she said, you know, when your dad felt like he needed to lose some weight, he would always just eat dinner only. And I'm like, what? She's like, yeah, remember? I'm like, mom, 
did he have black coffee? And she's like, of course, he never put anything in his coffee. I'm like, oh my gosh, my dad did one meal a day and I didn't even know. didn't even know. know, That was so common. I think, you know, it's funny because I'll mention this to people, you know, when I was first starting to fast and, you know, different things. And you know what? So many of them would tell me that exact same story about their grandpa or their dad Mm -hmm. or, oh, you know what? When my dad wants to lose a few, uh, you know, a few pounds, that's what he would do too. And they (laughs) didn't call it fasting, but that's what they did. Exactly. Now, conversely, plenty of, I'm sure you have people in your life who you, you say that you're, you know, doing this way of eating where you eat just one meal a day or you skip breakfast or whatever, you know, we we're intermittent fasters. And so many people say, Oh, I do that too. And then you find out they're having sweet, no calorie drinks and creamer in their coffee. And, and they're not really fasting. They're just low calorie drinking <laughs> or yes, all you know, day. spiking insulin all day long and storing fat. Oh, retro. <laughs> right. And you know, for years I wondered why, I couldn't lose weight and I would just sip on coffee with cream most all day. Like that's kind of what I would do. And I would just eat a little bit. And then, you know, and I was like, geez, I'm not even eating that much. And once I just took kind of the cream out of my coffee and this was before I started fasting. When I did that in earlier parts of my health journey, I noticed instant results. And Mm -hmm. that's when I started kind of putting two and two together. Like, Oh, maybe oh. sipping on this all day is problematic for me. Why though? And so, oh, I love this story. So keep going. Okay. So then I always, when I gained 50 pounds with menopause, it was the weight. Yes. I didn't recognize myself in the mirror. I was lumbering around. I had to keep buying bigger clothes. It was just every, and I felt awful, right? So it wasn't just the mental struggle of the mental embarrassment or horror. It mm-hmm. was, I just didn't feel well. My, and all the menopausal issues of brain fog and memory loss, it just all hit me hard. But people in my life, if they dared say anything, I think people were just like, wow, you just packed on a lot of weight really fast. <laughs> what's happened? And yeah, pe- what's if on? people said something to me, thoughtfully, they would usually say, it's such a mystery. You're like the healthiest eater we know. If you can gain this weight so quickly, what, you know, it might not be the food you're eating, right? So it seemed to be so entirely 100% hormonal. Mm -hmm. Because I have had a personal interest and passion in nutrition for over 20 years. It's just fascinating to me to figure out what foods work best for the human body. And yet I've never turned it into my profession because I felt, but didn't have the words for it until Jin, until I read Jin Stevens' book, Beast Without Fear, that each human being's body is unique, the bio-individuality. <laughs> and so I never felt comfortable telling people what they should eat. I just was interested in my own discovery of what I should be eating. And so now I say I ate the exact same foods before 2012 when I was lean. Mm-hmm. I ate the exact same foods when I gained 50 pounds. And I ate the exact same foods when I lost 50 pounds. The only difference was menopause, boom, and then intermittent fasting to recover from extreme adrenal fatigue 
and everything to do with menopause. So my food didn't change at all. Oh, isn't that interesting? I know. So I was at, you know, my high school weight in my 40s and I felt great. And then menopause hit and now I'm back to my high school weight and I feel great. I feel brighter and clearer and honestly more healthy than I ever have. So hello future. I just love that. And there's such hope there when, you know, I remember thinking that I would never buy a belt again. That was a really interesting thing. Now I've never been, you know, I've never been the person who's had a tiny waist. I'm bigger on top and smaller on bottom. So I, that's always been my build. And I remember that feeling of, I'm never going to probably have a belt again. Belts are uncomfortable. I'm just never going to really lose that middle, that kind of hopelessness feeling. And then same as you, when I found some of the tools and things started changing, I remember when I bought my first belt and it was like, hello, future, here we go, you know, and that confidence. And like you said, yes, those results showed up on the scale, but it's so much more than that. You just, all the other wonderful side effects of finding intermittent fasting. So now let's dive into your, how you fast, because I always try to emphasize to listeners is that everyone intermittently fasts different, their time, what they eat in their window. We'd love to hear kind of what your now realize I'm sure it changes here and there, but what does a typical day for Lori and intermittent fasting kind of look like? Well, I started with 16-8, which means a 16-hour fast and an eight-hour eating window where I ate two meals. And very quickly, that turned into six hours. I just it didn't, I didn't need to eat at 16 hours. I could go longer and eight hour eating window seemed long. And mm-hmm. so then I did 18.6 for a good six weeks or so. And then someone challenged me to do a 20 hour fast. And I thought, oh boy, that's a stretch. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. at 18 hours, I was ready to eat. And so I stretched to 20 and it seemed hard, but it seemed, I don't know, important might not be the right word. It it didn't feel like I was forcing myself. It felt exciting to try. Mm-hmm. So I'm an intermittent fasting coach and have loads of wonderful clients and lead workshops on intermittent fasting. And I'm always listening for and looking for each of my clients that they aren't feeling pressure to fast longer and they aren't feeling like it's a push or that it's better. You know, it's not better. It's just different. And I felt like the advantages, you know, of being in a fasted state between those hours of 18 to 20 hours were really important and very healing and in repair based on everything that I read. So I thought, why not? Why not go for 20 consistently? Mm -hmm. So I tried it, you know, I tried it that one time. And then I said, okay, I'm going to get to 20 every day this week. This was in August of 2017. And then that four-hour eating window just seemed fabulous. Like I looked forward to it. Four hours is my sweet spot. And I settled in. And then I read Delay, Don't Deny and joined the Delay, Don't Deny 
Facebook group and realized that one meal a day could be eaten in four hours. Like you can spread out one meal. And I thought, well, that's kind of what I'm doing. So I'm eating, you know, you take the parts of one right. meal, like a little snack. So I, one of the things I discovered early on was if I ate, I don't know, a potato <laughs> to uh-huh. open my eating window, I got really, 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 really sleepy. And okay. someone said, for many people, when you open your eating window with a carbohydrate heavy snack or meal, one of the side effects can be sleepiness. And I thought, well, I don't want that at four o'clock in the afternoon. So they suggested fat. So I started a habit of opening my eating window with a little snack of a few olives, sometimes maybe a piece of cheese, sometimes maybe a hard boiled egg, depending. But I just pause and I enjoy that my little fat snack and it doesn't make me tired. And the fat quells any ravenous feelings. So there's my little appetizer, my little snack. And then a while later, it could be a few hours later, or it could be immediately, you know, I'll prepare my meal or go to a restaurant. Always before I go to a restaurant, I always eat my little fat snack because I don't want to eat the whole bread basket. and I don't want to over order in a restaurant. It's so, so I, easy to do. Yeah. And so you're so smart. What a great tool. I hope everyone cued into this because this always. that is a great tool. Yes. And anytime I'm going anywhere, I eat beforehand. One, because you don't want to go to someone's house, break your fast, and literally eat everything in their fridge. That's kind of rude. So (laughs) if you don't know how much in a restaurant, at least you can keep ordering, right? But you got to eat before you go somewhere to quiet the noise in your head and in your body and make sure that you get enough food because some days with appetite correction, we're not that hungry. Other Mm -hmm. days, we're super hungry and we do (laughs) want to have enough food available. So now I'm leading you on a journey of my one meal a day. So I have my little snack, I might have a salad, I might have an entree, or I might have just one big giant burrito, you know, who knows, and then a drink. And I'm, I don't have a sweet tooth. So, you know, it's not like I needed to cut out sugar to lose the weight because I haven't eaten sugar in 20 years. So, you know, if I have dessert, it's usually just a bite, but I don't, Honestly, you know, I have ice cream in my freezer that I haven't thought of in a long time. It just doesn't call to me. But having a little dessert could be part of one meal a day, maybe a glass of wine or a beer or a delicious tea. But, you know, that's when you can have milk or cream or whatever in your in your tea or coffee. And then, boom, window closed. And sometimes it's three hours. Sometimes it's five hours. But I love my one meal a day. And I have tried to make it earlier because I really do believe in Sachin Panda's research about the circadian clock, how each of our organs are on a circadian rhythm. And we really should be eating and stopping our eating as the sun goes down because that's how human beings are designed. But that is not how I am designed. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) So I know, you know, maybe in a perfect, perfect world, I would be able to time my eating window and eat according to the rhythm of the sun because we are not nocturnal as, you know, human beings. 
we don't have the kind of eyes that we can see in the dark and haunt our food. You know, we, we're supposed to be sleeping at night when the sun goes down and not eating. But I just gravitate towards later. And people are like, you're not supposed to eat right before you go to bed. And I'm like, well, I do. <laughs> yeah, it just works for you, though. Hey, friends, it's Beth. If you are enjoying today's podcast, I really hope you will join me every week for what I hope you find are inspiring interviews and bold content on topics like family and career and health. And can I also ask you a favor? Can you press that subscribe button and write a review if you like what you hear today? By doing those things, you are helping me get the word out. And I truly would be ever, ever so grateful. It also allows you to be the first to know when new content arrives. So please subscribe today. Now, let's get back to our guests. Sometimes we try to force things. We're like, I'd really like, but you know, you just kind of keep going back to, well, this just kind of fits. So would you say most of the time you're opening around four o'clock? Kind of, is that kind of your opener or is it more like five, six? I would love to open at four, but oftentimes I have clients or I have my workshop that I lead live on Zoom. Uh You know, so... And then if I don't eat until 6, 6.30, I usually only have like a two and a half or three hour eating window at that point. So every day does vary. But in my mind, I'm a one meal a day girl spread out over a few hours. If I can open it at three or four, then maybe that day I'll have a five or six hour eating window. But it all averages out to me, for me to 20 and four average. And then when I feel like it, I'll throw in a longer fast sometimes during my weight loss period, which was 15 months. I lost 51 pounds in 15 months. There was a point of maybe four months where uh-huh. I did one longer fast a week, which would look like a usually a 40-hour fast and then on a, the down day, the fasting day, and then a long eating day, usually over, you know, definitely over eight hours where you just, you don't pay attention to the window aspect of it or worry about when you're stopping eating on your up day, eating day after a long, long fast. I just want to eat well. And then I resume my, my OMAD schedule after a longer fast. And so to hear in quarantine, I've done that most weeks now. The collective stress of our global (laughs) pandemic and, you know, stress just has the body hold on to fat. And I gained, I don't know, between four and five pounds over the two months, even with my intermittent fasting and one meal a day every day and my longer fast, but it doesn't bother me. It's like, who cares what the scale says? One of the ways I can tell I've gained weight is if my toes are puffy. Yes. (laughs) My toes aren't puffy. So I'm not (laughs) holding on to inflammation. I don't know what why my body decided to be five pounds heavier than it was in the middle of March, but all right. So one of the things that intermittent fasting has provided, especially participating in the delay, don't deny and Jen Stevens realm is this ease and joy and being very mindful of not having the diet mindset grip claws into our, you know, into our psyche to have intermittent fasting, to have this idea of eating in a pattern of time, be peaceful and not Mm -hmm. stressful. Mm -hmm. 
it's very freeing. And I just love all your examples. And earlier in the introduction, I kind of talked about how there's so many different variations of one meal a day. And for many of us, it was a little bit of an epiphany when we realized one meal a day didn't have to be one plate of food within just sitting down at dinner. You know, that for a lot of us, we could spread it out within that time frame and within our eating window. And we were still one meal a day. It was just a different one meal a day than, and we all kind of have to find what works for us. But I loved your examples and I, I love how you're opening it. I think that is such a good point because I do often hear people will say, oh, I, I opened my window and then I, I ate something and I, I ate a bunch of crackers and then I got really tired. So I love your idea of those good fats and those satiating fats. Similar to you, I'll go to business dinners a lot and I find that it was really helpful to eat ahead of the business dinners too because then I could focus on really doing business and networking yes. and, and, and talking. And I wasn't so self-conscious, like holding a plate. And then I often will have a glass of wine. I, I love my Sauvignon Blanc. And, you know, it was just so much less awkward. And then I wasn't going into that just ravenous because I do work out pretty regularly, so I can eat a lot. Yes. I wouldn't say I can eat a lot. I am capable of, I've never been a small eater. It's just not how I've been. I like. I really like food. I like you don't have as big of a sweet tooth, but I definitely like real food. Mm. So I love your specifics around that. And then I also love how you have shared kind of your progression because I think what you're highlighting so clearly is that when people start this journey, 16-8 can be a really great place to start. And and then it's these baby steps to feel out where you end up fitting. And you really find the shoe that fits you best. And you kind of slowly found that. And then I love how you also added about adding a longer fast in there every once in a while. And, you know, a lot of us would do kind of Monday being our longer fast. We just felt, you know, it was kind of a reset after the weekend and inflammation, you know, was a little bit higher maybe than normal. But something that's not talked about too much, I and I feel is a lot of, there's a lot of questions around it, is the following day after a longer fast, kind of that refeed day. And can you explain a little bit more, you touched on it, but how you would handle after a 40-hour fast, what that day might look like and how that's different than maybe your normal OMAD, you know, four-hour window? Mm -hmm. Because some people really struggle with that. And I think when they do a 40-hour fast, they'll, they'll do that. And then they don't eat enough the next day Correct. after it. So share a little bit about your, your wisdom about that. Sure. So as you said earlier in our conversation, one of the things that naysayers or people who don't understand fasting will say is that'll wreck your metabolism. Well, which we know isn't true if you're fasting clean, keeping insulin down, accessing your stored fat, and then eating well in whatever your eating window is, if it's four hours or two hours or eight hours, eat well. And that informs the body that there is no famine Uh and it perceives sufficient fuel source from food and your own body fat and it keeps the metabolism up. But when you do a longer fast that has so many health benefits, the body is wondering 
is this a famine? Mm-hmm. There's no food. We've got plenty of fuel here. It's all good. Autophagy is kicking in. HGH hormone is ramping up. Fat burning is in high gear. It's all good. We've got plenty of fuel on board. But is there food coming? <laughs> so we need to remind it and assure the body that there is no famine and there's plenty of food. So people then say, well, I did a 36 or a 40 hour fast. And when it came time to eat, I wasn't hungry. So now what do I do? You know, we can't stuff food into an unhungry body. Right. Mm -hmm. Which is why we want to view the day that we eat, the up day, the eating day, as a whole eating day and not just a constrained eating window. We want to give our body enough time to have a little food, have just a little, don't stuff yourself if you're not feeling hungry. And then naturally hunger will arise because, you know, insulin will go up and the blood sugar and, you know, your whole body will then gear towards food. And maybe it'll Mm -hmm. be four hours or six hours later that you're like, yeah, now I'm hungry. Okay. (laughs) And so you want to allow enough time. I've also found that the next day, a person can be much hungrier. So on the up day, the eating day, people often report, yeah, I'm not feeling so hungry. And I don't want to stuff in too much food, but allow for enough time, eat to satiety over at least, you know, six, eight, 12 hours, and then be prepared for that next day to eat more. Don't be surprised and don't feel like, oh, it's going to ruin my long fast because now I'm so hungry. No, 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 no. That's what protects the metabolism. You're like sending your body a communication. We've got plenty of good food here. It's okay. And people understandably, because we've been so married to points and calorie charts, people like, I'm not sure how much to eat. Uh Your body knows. Your body knows when it's satisfied. Shouldn't I eat more? Well, are you hungry anymore? Is your body satisfied? Yeah. Okay. Stop eating. (laughs) But I'm fasting for 18 hours. I need to stuff more food in to make sure I last through the next 18 hours. Nope. Your body's had enough. It's telling you that. You should listen to it. And that is such a fun part of the process is learning to honor and pay close attention and listen to the cues and clues that it's giving regarding the Uh food that it wants and the quantity of food that it wants and needs. Such wisdom there. I want everyone to make sure and note her comment on the second day after a longer fast. And our diet mentality tells us that, oh, if we're really hungry on that second day, like Lori pointed out so wisely, that, oh, we're going to ruin all the hard work we put in to do that 40 hours and, oh, all that benefit's gone and it's not true. So take it from someone who has a lot of experience and has dealt with this from, you know, hundreds and thousands of people that that is very normal. So don't think you're, you know, something is wrong with yourself or you're you're ruining all your results or I love that. So now, Lori, you mentioned that you're an intermittent fasting coach and tell us because 
I would like you to share with our listeners today a little bit more about your workbook as well. So tell (laughs) us about that journey because, you know, this podcast is about the topics of, I like to focus around being bold and health and career and family, but what I find so interesting, and I would, I, I don't know if you agree with me, but I find this over and over again with my guests is when their health improves, other areas of their life improve with it. Mm. And they get a new vigor for their career. They get a new vigor for their family life. They see all of those areas rise with it. I think it's really inspiring because Lori, I feel like, is a testament to that. So anyways, I'll stop talking and let Lori share about her workbook. Thank you, Bet. So it's called Celebrating Your Vibrant Future, Intermittent Fasting for Women 44 to Forever. And people are funny. They're like, but I'm 50. It's like, yeah, that's the forever part. (laughs) It's not just for women who are 44. And some women are like, well, I'm 43. Okay, good. You're going to be 44 like tomorrow. So come on. I just, you know, I, the number, I like 44 because that's when I went into perimenopause and I like the alliteration of 44 to forever. And I made the number up. It's kind of like the threshold into becoming a woman whose hormones are shifting and they don't send us to biology class for older ladies. So we mostly have no clue what is happening with perimenopause and menopause. And we think something's wrong with us. And nobody says the word menopause out loud for some strange reason. It's a taboo subject, so which is bizarre. really yes. weird. Yes. And it's such an awakening, actually, like an emerging for a woman into the whole second half of her life. And why is it? It's just a big mystery. And then doctors make us feel like we're crazy. And so I wrote <laughs> I've heard this. that so much. <laughs> oh, my goodness. We are extraordinary that we can endure. Now, some women don't experience any difficulty and bless them. I'm super jealous, but I really went through the eye of the needle, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, all of it. And what I wanted to do with, I had this idea for my book for about a year and I was taking notes. I had piles of legal to sort through my notes to write this book was torture. But Mm -hmm. then Kim Smith, who's the author of Unbelievable Freedom, which is like a fasting motivational memoir, Unbelievable Freedom. And then she wrote a book called Unmired, which, whoa, is a real mindset book, how to get your head on straight and and lead a life of complete enjoyment. Then she started a workbook series, and she invited me to possibly have my book idea on intermittent fasting for older women, older old 44 to forever, part of the workbook. And I was thrilled that she had that idea. And she included me in her workbook series, because I love the idea of getting the information, and then being in action. So my book is interactive, and their daily log sheets and things to fill in about your thoughts and feelings. Mm-hmm. So the idea of a workbook really, really suited me. And that was a great fit. It takes a person on a journey from what the heck is happening with my body to what is intermittent fasting? How does it work? Is it safe? How do I do it? And in a playful, nurturing, 
loving, supportive journey of 90 days, how to start. And then the end of the book, you write a letter to yourself a year from now that you can read when you've been intermittent fasting for a year and feel so proud and have it as part of just your, after someone has been intermittent fasting for a year, you cannot imagine living any other way. It's you just because you feel so darn good, but it's super flexible. Like you said, you eat before you go to the meeting. So you're not having to worry about food and then you can chat with everyone and, and mingle and food is not on your mind. It, it, it's just freeing. I'm really proud of this book. I launched it on International Women's Day, which is March 8th. It happens to be my birthday and it <sighs> happened to be the day of my 1000th fast. So I am now at day, I don't know, 1100, maybe. Yeah, maybe I'm at 1,100 days fasting, never missed a day. Some days, sure, I've done 12-12, but I got my 12 hours in. And <laughs> and then this book, it makes me really happy. It makes me happy when women are letting me know how what a difference it made, is making for them. And sure, younger women can use it too. It's just good info. <laughs> yes, I think that's so key. And You know, it's just such a beautiful thing that you would take something that helped you and then share it with the world. There are so many people out there that are feeling the exact same way you felt, you know, just a few years ago. And, you know, it's funny, I get asked all the time, so do you count calories? Mm. Nope. Nope. Do you you count macros? No. Nope. Uh, do you food prep? I mean, I guess define food prep. Sometimes <laughs> I, make, I, mean, I make things in batches at times and I sometimes make a bunch of hard boiled eggs at home. I, but I'm right. not like, and that's where I feel no matter what your age, we need to simplify. And I think what... Mm. Your book is encouraging and and what this journey encourages is that it doesn't need to be so complicated. And we are all bogged down with a lot of stuff. You know, we're just weighed down with a lot of stuff. And I have found it so freeing as, you know, someone who has a pretty busy career and young children at home and to just kind of, I'm not tracking anything really. You know, I'm, I'm tracking my eating window, but after you do that for a while, you don't, most people don't even do that anymore. They know, right. they kind of know. So gosh, right. what a freeing thing. I just think that's awesome. Now I don't want to enter a hot topic and we are coming towards kind of the end of the interview, okay. but just if people are curious, when you were going through menopause, did you take any hormone replacement? Oh, I think it's such an important question. And I did not. I felt very good with my fasting. And for some reason, I trusted that my hormones were balancing. Now, if I had gone to my doctor and they said still that my estrogen, progesterone, testosterone were completely out of whack, and I wanted to experiment with some bioidentical hormones or hormone replacement therapy, I would certainly have been open to that. And I'm not some sort of purist who says 
fast only, your hormones will balance and you should never go on medication. <laughs> no, mm-hmm, no, 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 no. Mm-hmm. Work with your doctor, work with your naturopath, work with your acupuncturist, like do all the things to be well. But I'm, I am grateful that my fasting practice, and I do believe that the stretching those extra hours from 18 to 20 and have doing 20 hours consistently supported my adrenal function and keeping cortisol low. You know, it kind of burns me up a little bit when people say that fasting isn't good for women because it wrecks our adrenals. And for me, Mm -hmm. the opposite was true. And I think the key is finding your sweet spot. Like if pushing, pushing to 20 hours is stressful for you, don't do that. Find your sweet. That's why to me, if people do one plate a day, OPAD, or try and squeeze their one meal a day into 30 minutes or an hour or even two hours, that isn't enjoyable. And I Mm -hmm. want, it could be for someone, but I want my eating window to be really enjoyable. Mm -hmm. I couldn't agree with you more. I think, and you know, I highlight to people a lot, which isn't always, I guess, maybe felt like it's, maybe I feel like I'm saying something taboo. But, you know, early in my journey, I did not intermittent fast every day. Mm. I effectively fell into it by skipping dinner a few nights a week. I was upping the amount of good fats in my diet and I was feeling more satiated and I felt like I was really eating the, the right foods and I was moving more and my body just was that was easy. And I am pretty active. I was working out a lot. I was really I was really enjoying that outlet for my mental state. You know, I felt like it was a, a way to burn off stress and steam, however you want to put it. And so I always encourage people that if it's feeling too forced, your body might be telling you something. It and I, is. You know, and I didn't need right away. I didn't need to do it every day. And now I'm not saying that other people, that that would work for them. But I just think that if it's feeling too forced after doing it for a long time, you know, kind of you need to massage it and maneuver it so it fits for you. So Lori, that's mm. my brings me to my next question. So I, I thank you for answering the hormone replacement therapy question because I know people are probably curious. What about exercise? Are you someone who kind of just tries to stay moving and, and walking in your in your daily routine or do you like to exercise? And if so, what do you like to do? Oh, I love it. My so I used to be a runner. I had several marathons under my belt and in my in my forties. So when perimenopause and menopause crushed me, I didn't have it in like I literally could not and with the adrenal fatigue, like I just I could not move in that way anymore. Like there's no way I could force myself to do full, hard, strenuous running and classes and so forth. And I've dabbled in yoga here and there throughout my life, but I really established my yoga practice in maybe 2016. And so that felt gentle. And then being a New Yorker up until 2017, I was I walked everywhere. So I was constantly moving, walking, 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 putting in a lot of miles walking. So the yoga and the walking were the movement that worked for me. And then I moved to Portland, Oregon in 2017. And that's when I started my intermittent fasting journey. And I continued 
the walking, not as much as in New York. And Mm -hmm. with my gentle yoga practice, I was in no rush to, you know, do headstands. And, you know, I have a very simple, chill yoga practice, which is kind of like my fasting practice, like what no hard push, no power yoga, you know, just nourishing yoga, I would say. And then after I have been intermittent fasting for about nine and a half or 10 months, I had the thought one day, which was, I think I can run again. Uh, Maybe it was kind of like, I think you can run again. And I was like, oh, so when we get into a fasted state consistently, I believe that that is where we have more discernment, more clear thoughts. There's a reason why fasting is part of every spiritual and religious and meditative practice, because it clears out the noise. And then when you have a thought that seems quiet and clear as a bell, like, you can run again. I was like, oh, wow. So I didn't start running again. I joined Orange Theory. I went to one class and I was like, oh my gosh, because I like classes and I like sweating and I like it to be hard, but I couldn't do any of that hard for years. And let me tell you, boy, do I miss my Orange Theory right now being in quarantine because it is so energizing. So I did one class, felt super strong and pumped up. Like I How did I go from basically no exercise to Orange Theory in one class? Because intermittent fasting made me strong. I know that people are like, that's not true. But it is. I was lean and strong and I could do it. Like, no problem. Yes. Oh, I love it. I know. So I get all pumped up around my Orange Theory classes and I get all chill in my yoga. (laughs) It's so funny. I So before this interview, I want to tell everybody that, that I did not know this about Lori, but this is a very <laughs> similar workout that I do. So I do Orange Theory and I love it. And we are opening again next week. And I'm so excited, except everyone's going to think that I have been enjoying all my quarantine baking because they probably won't realize that I'm pregnant. But... <laughs> You're like, nice tummy there, Beth. No, I'm excited to go back. And I, like you, like to mix it up. And I do everything from yoga. I really like this strength class. And then I also, which is the strength class I go to is a lot of TRX, a lot of functional movements, a lot of body weight and kettlebell work. But Orange Theory, I just love that community. And ours is opening next week. So I know I shouldn't tell you that. Maybe I'll drive up to Washington State and come to a class. (laughs) You come visit me. You come visit me. Well, Lori, this has been such an enjoyable time. And I know and I believe firmly that this is going to make a difference in some people's lives when they hear this, your story. And on an ending note... I always like to have someone share just a piece of advice, and it doesn't have to be regarding fasting. It can be regarding your health journey or any part of your journey, but on a closing note, what advice would you like to leave with our listeners today? Oh, I love that. You know, I just want people to be happy and to feel really good about themselves, their life, 
their body. It hurts my heart when I hear people say that they hate their body or that their body is, you know, my body hates me or my body's working against me. It's like, no, Mm. it's not. So, you know, I'm going to share something that I just discovered that I hope people will watch. There's a guy named Scott Rose. He lives up in Vancouver, British Columbia, and he has a video on YouTube called The Magic Question. The magic question. And if everybody would go and watch the magic question, you will feel so pumped up about your life and your future and what you can create and what you can experience. And my advice to each person is to start to notice where diet mindset creeps in, berating yourself creeps in, and pivot those thoughts towards feeling good thinking about what you're creating, thinking about solutions, having in mind your bright and vibrant future. And with fasting as the foundation for that, fasting creates the clarity, the discernment, the motivation, the space to look forward. And that's what my workbook is all about. You know, you were talking about simplifying and my book was twice as long. Like I had to cut half of it out because I kept saying to myself, it's too much. It's too gunked up. It's too, it's too much. And I just kept clearing it out, clearing it out, clearing it out. So it's pure essence of love and communication and instruction that a person can look forward to the rest of their lives. I love that. Well, here is to looking forward. Here is to a bright and beautiful future full of hope and not hopelessness. Lori, thank you for your time. And I just am honored to have you here today. Thank you, Bet. What a treat. Thank you for listening today. For more motivation on living boldly, you can find me on Instagram, Facebook, and my new website, betlucas.com. And remember, friends, be you boldly. The world needs you.